As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Understand, defend, and share your faith with confidence. This is Unapologetic from Premier Unbelievable. Thank you for joining us on Unapologetic. I'm Ruth Jackson. And before we hear from today's guest, just a quick reminder to visit premierunbelievable.com for more shows, articles, and resources. And if you register or sign up for our newsletter there, you can get yourself a plethora of free ebooks. That's premierunbelievable.com. But now for today's show. I'm joined by Elliot Ray, founder of Music Football Fatherhood and curator of the book Dad, Untold Stories of Fatherhood, Love, Mental Health and Masculinity. Elliot, let's go right back to the beginning, if you don't mind. What what was your experience of God growing up? So I went to a church school. My parents weren't overly religious, but God was always in our lives. And I always felt his presence and grew up believing. And that, I think, helped to ground me in my early years. And then, you know, life happened. I went to university. I started working. And it wasn't until later on I kind of came back to my relationship with God. And we are lucky enough now to have found a church, which is five minutes walk from our house, which we love and is like a second home to us. And I would imagine a lot of that is really helpful in some of the things that you're doing as as a father and, and in a sort of family context, isn't it? Definitely. I think the world and just being an adult and a human being can be quite challenging sometimes. And it's quite hard to understand the world and where we sit in the world and our place in the world. And where we're going and what we want to do and what purpose is for our life. And so for me and everything I do, whether it's family life or or my professional work, having faith and belief and having a relationship with God really does help me. It helps me every day um, in every interaction. And I don't know what I would do without that guidance. And you've been quite honest about some of your mental health struggles after the birth of your daughter. Would you mind just saying a little bit about that, Elliot? Yeah, so me and my wife had a very difficult kind of start to parenting. My daughter was quite sick. She had an infection called Group B strep, which is a very serious infection. And we weren't sure whether she was going to you know, make it. So we spent two weeks in the hospital in intensive care. Uh, we left the hospital and I pretty much went straight back to work. My paternity leave had, had finished in the UK. We only get two weeks statutory leave. And what I think I realized was that as humans, you know, we're really, we're really good at masking how we feel. We can put on a brave face. And I definitely did that. 
for 18 months of the first uh, years of my daughter's life. But inside going through a very, very difficult period, insomnia, panic attacks, um, just very, very anxious uh, and, and emotional. And eventually I was diagnosed with PTSD. And that that experience changed my life. And in a way, I look back with gratitude because I've learned so much from it. And I definitely wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing now without it. My wife says, your mess is your message. Mm -hmm. And I definitely agree with that. And uh, I'm kind of thankful for that experience I've had in life. Thanks so much for sharing that, Elliot. I mean, some of the statistics are pretty horrific around this stuff, aren't they? Is it, is it one in 10 new dads and, and one in five new mums, I think, experience some symptoms of postnatal depression? And I think it's 39% of expectant dads are concerned about their mental health, I guess, even before they have the baby. And, and I was one of those um, mums who really struggled with postnatal depression. So I know firsthand how hard it can be to navigate your faith when your mental health isn't in a good place. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit, how, how were you and your wife able to sort of keep seeking God in the midst of all those struggles? I think it's sometimes the easiest time to see God actually and I don't know if that's a good thing if I'm honest you know I think it's it's easier when we are weak and tired and we haven't got anything left to give and we don't know where we're going and we need help you know those times reaching out to God and saying that we we need you we don't we don't know what else to do there was one moment in the hospital actually when my daughter developed a bump in the back of her head and we had to go for an MRI scan the next day. And me and my wife and a midwife called Nagme came to join us in, in our room. And the four of us just prayed and cried for hours all night. Just the tears were just coming out and we just prayed. We knew the news that we were going to get the next day was going to change our lives in, in one way or another. And... I hadn't cried for as an adult up until then for years. I can't remember actually the last time I cried before that. I can't remember the last time I prayed as heavily and as deep as that. And I do feel like what I try to do now is not just turn to God in the bad times and the difficult times, but also in the good times, you know, and just give thanks and grace every day, even if it's a great day, especially if it's a great day you know, and, and, and give blessings and thanks for, for that. So for me, I think it's easier and maybe I've learned lessons through, through that process. Mm. And you say that story really struck me in your book. We're going to be talking about your book in a minute, Elliot, but you said our faith became an incredible prop in those moments of fear and confusion. And I guess some people would understandably push God away in those moments um, but you obviously ensured that your faith was a prop in that time and I guess even more so in, in difficult times that have happened since right yeah it has to be it has to be you know I think it's where we turn to and having that direction having that faith having that belief it really helps you to understand that you don't have to do this life on your own you know we are very small fragments of the universe and sometimes we feel that pressure that we have to solve all of our problems and conquer all of the all of the issues we have in our lives by ourselves. And that's just not feasible. You know, we, we weren't born that way. We shouldn't have the pressure to feel like we have to do that. We don't have to do that. And there are 
that, that we can lean on God. We can lean on each other. You know, we we lean on our church and our and our and our ministers and my my partner and I, my wife and I, we lean on each other and our friends and our parents. So it's about keeping God at the center, but understanding that you don't have to do things by yourself. And I think for for me and uh, for many people, for many men, that can be something that we're maybe not growing up told and taught about but as we get older hopefully we can come to the place of understanding that actually leaning in with god really really helps especially through those difficult times Mm. and one of your responses to some of these difficulties that you and your wife faced after your daughter's birth was to set up music football fatherhood mff for short um what is that and how did it come about so it came about when um i was up at 2 (laughs) a.m doing the night feeds and in a time of my life where I think I think looking back I needed some control actually because so many things were out of control this was you know just when my daughter was like six months old so we were in the thick of it and I needed something that I could do that I could kind of call my own I could dictate if you like with amongst the chaos so I started writing and I thought about what the things that I like I like music, I like football, and I like fatherhood. So I called it Music Football Fatherhood. And at the beginning, it was a very kind of, you know, introspective thing that I just set up just for myself, really. I didn't have a grand plan. There was no big vision for it at the time. But what I realized over the time is that other dads really appreciated the space to be able to share from a personal perspective. And over the years, you know, we've been lucky enough to support thousands of dads and have really deep conversations around some quite sensitive issues around loss, co-parenting, miscarriage, identity, mental health, masculinity. And we are all about open conversations about fatherhood. And, you know, I couldn't have imagined some of the things that have happened in the last six years. Um, but I, I have to say, God maybe has 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 put this purpose in me. And I truly believe that I'm here to do this work which really helps on a day-to-day basis sometimes when it's difficult um but yeah I think it's God's purpose for me and that's the reason why it's done so well I love that the BBC described it as the dad's version of mum's net which I think is a brilliant explanation um and, and did your book dad untold stories of fatherhood love mental health and masculinity did that book come out of that community of dads it did yeah for the most part it was in 2019 when you know, we were doing this work and we we're having the conversations online and in person. And I just felt like we could go deeper. I felt like we were just scratching the surface. And as I have developed and grown as a as a person and the community has grown, we've become more open and challenged each other, I think, to be more honest. And I just knew that there wasn't anything like that out there that actually spoke to men and told the stories of dads in such a raw, honest and vulnerable way. And in putting the book together, it was literally asking men, you know, can you tell me things that you haven't told anyone else? Can you write things down that you haven't told anyone in your life? You know, can you go to that part of yourself and admit things to yourself and share these things? And, you know, these men obliged and did so. And the book is so powerful. You know, I remember reading some of the draft draft chapters when they came in and just being in tears outside of the car park in Tesco, <laughs> you know, just reading it and thinking, wow, like this is deep. 
this is serious stuff, you know, and the impact it's had on people has been immense. People have told me it's been a friend to them. It's been counsel to them. It's been a source of support for them. And it's just amazing what the book's done. Like it's gone beyond all, all the things I could imagine. And I guess you've you've touched on this already, but women often seem slightly better at kind of sharing with friends and, and perhaps also asking for help. Um, but how do we encourage men to begin to be a little bit more vulnerable, to open up, to kind of ask for help? So for me, I think the core is that it's a good thing for us. Um, stepping outside of gender stereotypes and stepping outside of the norms that we've been told makes up a man is really important for our mental and physical health. It's really important for our relationships and just our success and progression in life. You know, I think the ability for men to go to the doctors is really important. We know prostate cancer is the most diagnosed cancer in the UK right now. Often it's diagnosed quite late because we don't go to the doctors when we feel a pain in our body. We ignore it. We put it off. We know that three out of four suicides are men. Suicide is the biggest killer of men under the age of 45. But only one third of calls to the NHS talking therapies are from men. You know, we are more likely to take our own life and less likely to reach out for help and support. The ONS found that one in five men have no close friendships. And we know friendships is a really important part of a healthy and, and happy life and, and a well mentally well life so it's in our best interests to be able to talk about the challenges that we're going to go through unfortunately as as humans you know we will have ups i've had some amazing ups in my life unbelievable ups but we're all going to face loss and and some kind of difficulties and challenges that's just the human experiences experience so i think it's really important for men to be able to Yes, be strong, be stoic, be be a be a provider, be a protector, but also be protected and uh, be sensitive and communicate and be looked after as well. That's really important. It's, it's, it's fundamental to our well-being. You're listening to Unapologetic from Premier Unbelievable. Do you think one of the areas where men sometimes find difficulty talking about things is when it comes to faith and, and their beliefs? Potentially. I would actually say maybe maybe not, actually. I think, you know, in my personal experience, the 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 men I've come across who have a faith, normally that's an area that they actually feel okay talking about. I would say the areas that men find more difficult talking about is maybe their their, their mental well-being, Maybe financial challenges, uh, relationship challenges, uh, health challenges as well. I, I find, and this is just in my personal experience, the people who I've met who have a relationship with God, whatever you know, religion they may be, when you get into a conversation, then they're normally quite happy to speak about that. And maybe that's because that faith is is there and it is strong, and they want to tell people and they and they believe, and they may feel like there's not going to be judgment on that but on the flip side i do feel like you know as a society there is a kind of decrease in the mainstream idea of religion and i have read some statistics that uh you know the, the amount of kind of religious christians is, is falling in the country i don't know the ins and outs i'm not an expert on that 
I have read that. So I think in general, we have to be aware of that. But in my experience, when it comes to men specifically, I wouldn't say that is an issue. I'd say it's more around maybe uh, mental well-being and, 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 and health and relationships and stuff like that. Elliot, this might feel a very obvious question, but do you feel like becoming a father has changed you? Yes. <laughs> yes. Mm. I remember walking. So after I got home from the hospital, went to work, and I remember walking home and walking across the road and being so careful crossing the road because I knew that I had a responsibility. It wasn't just about me. So I need to get home in one piece. And I can't, I never thought like that before. And I tell that story because I think becoming a father for me, it makes you so much more aware of your mortality. And it makes you so much more aware of the world you're living in. You know, I started caring about so much more about recycling and littering in my local area because I wanted an environment where my child can grow up and be safe and I think part of that bigger ecosystem around me was my faith as well and my relationship with God and how am I doing all the things I can do to best equip myself and my family with the strength and the guidance that we need and part of that is grounding yourself and myself in my faith so yeah my life has changed so much my perspective has changed so so much um i would say i'm so much more vulnerable i communicate a lot more i show my emotions a lot more um and everything that i do is amplified so much more since becoming a father elliot do you feel like becoming a dad has changed the way you view god at all yes definitely i think it's 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 actually helped me to be more trusting of God I think and to probably believe more I would say because when you become a father as well you you understand the miracle of of a new life and you see a baby being born that is an incredible experience and you understand that that must be God how does that happen you know how 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 does this life this could, could be created and formed and a child grows up and kind of looks like you and acts like you a little bit and you have such a love for them that must be god that must be and so i think in me witnessing that and seeing that it has really heightened my belief that god is real god is acting and is a massive part of everything that we do Elliot, you've mentioned this story already, the story of when you were waiting for an MRI scan for your baby because of the bump on the back of the head and and what an awful time that was and you and your wife and the midwife praying together. And there's a line in your book where you say, I just handed control over to God and just hoped for the best. Now, thankfully, the scan was clear and you and your family were able to go home. But do you think that's good advice generally for parenting to just hand over control to God? (laughs) that is a great question um so i'm a big believer in like obviously action you know i think we need to we need to take action because when we want something in life we want to create something or 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 be something we have to do the steps to get there and i i believe god has given us our thoughts and our intelligence to be able to 
put those things in action and we and we do those things i'm a big believer in action and, and planning and being intentional about what we do but then once we've done that then we give to god because we can't always affect the outcome of stuff that like we can do the work we can we can we can we can want things we can do the actions but we can't control the outcomes and so for me when it comes to parenting and work and everything in my life i try my best to do the work as as best as i can but then sit back and give the outcome to god and see where that goes because we, we that's that's beyond our control and Elliot, you're not just supporting families and dads through what you're doing at MMF. You're also trying to change the narrative on a national scale, aren't you, by speaking to the NHS, MPs, things like that? Yeah. So, you know, from, from MFF, we've got kind of three arms, I would say. We have the community events side of things. We have the content. And then the, the third C is the campaigning. So we do a lot of kind of lobbying and uh, persuading and influencing with the nhs around how they can better engage dads through the maternity process that is so important in regards to helping a dad to form that early bond with their child and that really is pivotal for how the family share care you know on an ongoing basis we do a lot of work with employers i would say maybe twice a week i'm speaking to employers and hosting kind of keynote talks and webinars and workshops about how they can support working dads and men's health and kind of redefine masculinity in the workplace. And we also talk to MPs. We are the co-founders of the Working Dads Employer Awards. And that is um, an award show that was launched in Parliament last year. It's going to be going on again in Parliament this year in June. And that award show celebrates employers that are supporting dads. And that's backed by um, some MPs, including Andrew Gwynn, who is the chair of the appg for fatherhood and we're also joining a campaign with pregnant and screwed and working families and other organizations to ask for the government to introduce six weeks paid paternity leave for dads which i think is so important the two weeks statutory leave is not enough and uh, there's so much more we can do in this area well, thank you so much for all of the work you're doing, Elliot. I so appreciate it. And, and one of the things I love is that an article you wrote was shared by none other than Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. I mean, how the heck did that come about? So me and, and The Rock are good friends now. I mean, he hasn't responded to my messages, but I'm sure he's just <laughs> but he's still man, best right? friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got the Fast and the Furious, like, 11. Um, but but yeah, that was, <laughs> that was unbelievable. So the quick story was the, the Independent asked me to respond to one of his Instagram posts um, and write an article, which I did. And I woke up the next day and my phone was just going crazy. And I thought I'd done something wrong. Like, what did I say? So I checked my phone, went on Twitter and The Rock had shared the article and wrote a really nice kind of personal message about about the article, which is which is amazing. So yeah, that is that, that was a big moment for me. And one of those things that, you, you know, you, you can't really believe that's going to be a thing that happens. But that was that was pretty cool yeah because his post was really beautiful wasn't it as a dad sort of gushing over the birth of one of his children and he's a dad of three girls isn't he so it just was like a really heartfelt post yeah and I was just imagining The Rock just sitting there like you know reading the article (laughs) (laughs) and then pressing share I was like that is really strange but again God makes these things happen and I think those things have happened throughout kind of my journey in this and that was before MFF was as big as it is now and I look back at those things and think that was God saying to me you're on the right path 
you know, keep going. Because that, that was actually a stage of my life where I was so busy in my, in, I had a day job back then. I was so busy in my job and we just moved house and things were quite hectic. And actually this work was falling to the side a little bit. I just didn't have enough time to dedicate to it. And those things have happened to me, actually. You know, I had a United Nations award around the year after. Again, at a time when I, I wasn't necessarily dedicating my time to this for other reasons. And I truly believe God was saying, keep going, keep going. I'm going to give you this thing. Keep going. This is what you're supposed to do. So, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing moment. Now, Elliot, Father's Day isn't easy for, for many, many people. So how do we support those people who, for a whole plethora of different reasons, may really struggle with Father's Day, do you think? I think it's just about recognising that, you know, um, Father's Day, Mother's Day, they can be difficult times for for people you know if you've lost your father or maybe you didn't grow up with your dad um it can be a triggering time and a difficult time so i think we just need to be sensitive to that you know when we're praying when we're talking when we're when when we're kind of giving our testimonials on social media it's good that i've seen a lot of brands you know a lot of organizations when they're doing their email advertising have had an opt-out option you can opt out of father's day which is really good so I think we just need to be culturally sensitive um, and include those people when we're praying and when we're talking and just recognise that it, it's a thing. Elliot, as we come to the end of this podcast, is there any advice you think you would go back and give to yourself when you first became a dad, sort of knowing everything that you've learned along the way, all the things that God has spoken to you about over the last seven years? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like everything kind of happens as it was supposed to happen. Um, in hindsight I would say it's going to be okay I don't know if that's much use at the time (laughs) (laughs) and it's easy to look back but I I genuinely wouldn't change a thing Um, and that sounds crazy but no I think it's about purpose and I, I, I wouldn't be here talking to you right now and doing this if I had if things have happened another way. So I, I, I don't think I would. Um, I, you know, I've learned lessons, definitely learned lessons, which I try to implement every day now. But in terms of the past, I think it was, it, it went exactly how it was supposed to go, you know? And, and I think for, for people listening, I would just say, you know, lean into fatherhood. Um, our children grow up so quickly. I know it sounds cliche, but they really do. My daughter's seven now. I can't believe it. She's so tall. Um, and they change so fast and we have them for a for a small period before they become more independent and don't want to spend as much time with us anymore so um i would say lean, lean into that and also just you know just talk it out be open be honest you know read um find people in your life who are like-minded who you can share your thoughts with and go from there elliot thank you so much for joining us today it's been an absolute pleasure Thank you so much. I've, I've loved it. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you for joining us on Unapologetic with me, Ruth Jackson. As always, you can find out more about our guests through the links with today's show. And please do let us know what you thought of the programme by emailing unbelievable at premier.org.uk or you can get in touch with us on social media. Thank you for listening and see you next week. You've been listening to Unapologetic. For more shows, resources and our newsletter, visit premierunbelievable.com.